You are now listening to the Moon Child. It is around three o'clock. When Thursday, January twenty-first, a day after inauguration. Hopefully, we are past the days of worshiping a politician. I uh, hope a lot of people, you know, come back to reality. Um, there's a lot of change. Not saying that everything's going to be fixed. Um, but I will say a better direction. Hopefully, we can go back to, you know, having real political conversation and not be arguing about, you know, moral issues that shouldn't be issues and where we should all be on the same page. But hopefully the days of worshiping a, a politician is over. But not really in a good mood. Kings are on a four-game losing streak. And the title of this episode is actually, I'm not ready for the draft yet. I'm not. <laughs> and there are some very good draft prospects. But I don't want to be feeling like this 15 games into the season. We lost four straight. We're sitting at 5-10. and 10. And the irony is that 10 teams can make the playoffs and the way things are looking right now, and I don't think I don't think we're gonna be in the playoffs, and that's why I do gotta start getting ready for draft talk. And I don't want to get in that position yet, cause I don't believe in tanking. Uh, I want to see the team compete, and let's 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 get into the the problems today. And the question, the big question around for me at least surrounding the Kings is: Are are we tanking? Seriously, like what is going on? The, and the main problem is the defense. You know, uh, defense, I think this team can really score with anybody in the league, if I'm being honest. When when, when the Kings are playing in fast break, when they're playing high pace with De'Aaron Fox running the show and Tyrese Halliburton out there, they can score with, any, with anybody. But the problem is defense. The Kings are historically having the worst defensive, on pace to have historically the worst defensive season ever. They're giving up 120 points a game. 120 points a game. Like, they're, every other team is coming into the fourth quarter. Sorry, security guard just drew by. But every team is coming into the fourth quarter with 100 points already. And it sucks. It, it, it's hard to watch. The whole game, like for for instance, the, the Kings played the Pelicans the other night. Marvin Bagley had 26 points, 10 rebounds. Yeah, I was seeing him score. Yeah, I was seeing him grab a few rebounds. But the whole damn game, I'm screaming, one more stop. One more stop. And we just couldn't get that extra stop to regain the lead. It's like we're always down 10. And we're constantly trying to fight back. And yeah, we can score. But if we keep giving up points and we keep letting teams shoot 50, 60% off of easy buckets, we're not going to win like that. You're not going to win giving up 120 points a game. That's just not happening. You take a look at the Cavs. The Cavs are giving up, are, are the best defense in the league. And they're, they're the worst offense in the league. But they're a top five defense. And they're sitting at a 500 record. Because they have rim protection. And that's something that the Kings are lacking is reliable rim protection. 
And the two people that I'm putting the most blame on that is one, Buddy Heald. He's been the worst-rated defensive player on our team now. It was Bagley, but Bagley's been trying to improve. He's been showing promise. But before I get into Bagley, Buddy Heald has just been awful on defense. Awful. Can't guard his own position. And he's not scoring at a high enough clip to overdo that. He only has one game over 20 points. I'm just over Buddy Heald at this point. I'm over it. Um, I'm a big guy on like body language, and I don't see the same body language as I do in Rashawn Holmes, as I do in De'Aaron Fox, especially Tyrese Halliburton. It's all about body language. Something that's free is good attitude. And, you know, Sacramento is already, you know, I, I guess being a fan, it's already a hard thing to expect players to want to be there. On top of not making the playoffs in 14 years in the history of the franchise these past 14 years. When you see a player not wanting to be there, you don't want them no more. You don't. Because you can tell that they don't want it. And you see the players that want it. Um, and that's Rashawn Holmes. That's Tyrese Halliburton. That's De'Aaron Fox. Glenn Robinson lately. Harrison Barnes. Those are players that want it. And as a fan, you want to see players that want it. And... That all starts with the defensive end. And defensive defense is honestly, honestly, it's just straight effort and basketball IQ. It's effort, and you got to want it. <laughs> you got to want it. And I don't see that in Buddy Hill on top of his offensive struggles. Now with Bagley, uh, now Bagley, what makes it, now, when you, when you even though Buddy is the worst defender by the numbers, when you're seeing the game, a lot of the responsibilities with easy buckets is coming on Bagley. Now, when I see Rashawn Holmes on defense, yeah, he gets scored on. He doesn't have the length, but he's always in the right position, and he makes a lot more defensive plays. By far, a, a much more reliable defender than than Marvin Bagley. But with Bagley, he's always jumping at everything, and that leads to fouls. And when you have three fouls at the half, it doesn't do anything. But the sad thing is he fouls himself at the game, he provides really he's been providing really good offense like i said i always said this about bagley his offense is not the problem he can honest i thought he would become a chris bosh he can still become a chris bosh but if you're comparing somebody in today's era marvin bagley can become just like sabonis with the jump shot that hook shot is nice has a lot of potential and it's been iffy but i think it's something that he's always going to have he can easily be a 20 and 10 guy in this league easily but that doesn't matter if you're not defending. He's always in the negatives, giving up easy buckets. Now, what's even more sad, now, because he's the number two overall pick. Now, if I compare this, if he wasn't the number two overall pick, he'll be coming off the bench immediately. Because every time he comes out the game, the team's defense always gets better when him or Buddy is off the floor. For example, Pelicans game the other night. We got... By the way, we did lose to the Clippers last night by 20. They're a very good team. I'll get into them later. Um, but the Pelicans game was something I was really looking forward to a win um, due to like us being in the same tier. And that's how I feel about the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the Spurs. The Kings should be in the same tier as them. Not the same tier as, well, actually, you can't, I can't even say the Thunder because the Thunder has been playing better than us. But not the same tier as the Timberwolves, you know? Um... Timberwolves is below everybody right now and it seemed by the way it's looking we're in the same tier of Timberwolves and 
the Timberwolves have been the worst franchise than the Kings. They haven't made the playoffs in many years. They're just lucky to get Jimmy Butler. But we're looking at that same tier as the Timberwolves and the Rockets right now. So with Marvin Bagley, <laughs> I don't give a damn if he's giving me 20 and 10. But if he can't defend, we can't keep him on the court. We're giving up 120 points per game. That's so bad. We're, we actually did a good job yesterday not giving up 120 points. We gave up 115, but we didn't even score 100. So, no, that now that brings me into like what's the what's the what's the problem? And I want to, you know, a lot of people say Luke Walton, but there's some things that's Luke Walton that's doing that's giving me tank vibes. Now, and that goes with how untalented the roster is. Three guys that's been giving me a head case. So, you know, we obviously have the number two overall pick that's not been playing like a number two overall pick. But I, I believe in giving them time. And that defense is something that he needs to develop. I never seen a non-defensive player, though, become a great defender. I be, I've seen great defenders become a great offensive player. Kawhi, Jimmy Butler. I've seen that. I, I haven't, I don't recall a guy just out of the bloom, you know, going from bad defense to just great defense. That's something that you can work on, though. I'm a believer in it. So, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in him coming a good defender, but he has to prove it to me first. I don't care about 20 and 10 if he can't protect the rim because he's 6'11". He has, well, he doesn't have the longest wingspan, but he has a good second jump. He has good athleticism. There's a lot of potential there defensively. Um, but defense comes to IQ and, you know, and heart. So we're going to have to see how he develops defense. I don't know. I'm not super optimistic about it, but I have no choice to be optimistic about it. So, but if you go throughout the roster and the three, the two players has just been giving me trouble for, I feel like that we need to move on. It's Corey Joseph and Buddy Heald. Corey Joseph, we just do worse every single time he's on the court. And my issue with Luke Walton is keeping him on the floor for so long. And I, I don't like him in the game with Tyrese. I'd rather just Tyrese be the backup point guard. He should be shooting guard when Fox is in the game. But when Fox is out the game, Tyrese should be running the show. I'm just watching Corey Joseph dribble the air out the ball. I want to give more play time to, to, to younger guys. I don't know where the hell Jabari Parker has been. Whiteside has been picking up these little injuries. So... I can't really blame Luke Walton completely because the roster is not that talented, but there is some, I, I'm, I, but that some of the decisions, I don't feel like it's, 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 I'm stuttering here, but let me slow down. I don't think some of the decisions that he's making is his decisions. I think it's coming from management. Now, if it's coming from management, from GM Monty McNair, I will trust it. I just need to know which direction we're going because right now it looks like we're in tank mode because the way he's keeping Corey Joseph in the game and the way they're keeping Buddy Heald in the game, it only tells me that they're trying to raise their value. I hope we don't have them for, I don't, I truly don't believe that we're going to have them for the rest of the year. So the more minutes that, you know, even Bagley, the more minutes that Buddy gets, the more minutes that Bagley gets. The more minutes that Corey Joseph gets, the more their value go up. Cause it's clear as day that Tyree should be, you know, should be playing more. It should be clear that 
Glenn Robinson should be playing more. I want to see our I want to see our second round rookie Robert Woodward who has great defensive potential and no, he has already has good defense, strong, physical, and he has three-point potential. We need to see him out there. He can rebound. He's perfect for the modern game. I want to see what he can do. I want to see what Jemias Ramsey can do. I want to see more Kyle Guy. Put Kyle Guy in with Tyrese Halliburton. I don't understand, but you know, I don't understand why Corey Joseph would be able to play over. Like, I don't understand why he'll be getting more minutes to them. Yeah, he has the experience. Yes, he's making twelve million, but from the eye test, he's not helping us win. He doesn't fit the system that we're trying to do by playing. He's a slow paced point guard. He likes to hold the whole shot clock. It came from the Spurs. We like to play fast, move the ball. And he doesn't fit that. And he doesn't have no length. So it's literally killing us at all levels. And then with Buddy Heald, I just think we need to get some value for him. Tyrese deserves that starting shooting guard spot. And we need to invest in another backup point guard. We got to get another playmaker off the bench. Um, get another playmaker off the bench. But mainly just try to get as much defense as possible. And that's why I'm willing to trade Bagley. It sucks. I feel like if we do trade him, he probably will succeed better somewhere else. But if we can get a good return for him, I would be happy. And the guy that I want the most, who hasn't, who's not getting a starting opportunity probably anytime soon, I would love to trade Marvin Bagley for Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba is not going to start soon. And he's been off the bench this whole time because of how good Nikola Vucevic, who I think is definitely a top three underrated player in this NBA, in the game right now. Uh, Mo Bamba's not starting over him. Mo Bamba is everything that we need. We need a seven-footer. We need a lengthy guy who can protect the rim. And Mo Bamba could shoot the three a little bit now. But we need that rim-protecting presence. If Mo Bamba got a chance to start... I feel like he can be like a Miles Turner. He's not going to give you those inside buckets. That's where Sean Holmes is for off the bench. Or you can start him at the four. But we need a seven-footer that can really protect the rim. And if you look at the teams that's succeeding, if you see the way out of Lake, I've been saying this all year and last year. If you see the way that Lakers had success off of winning the title, they had they had three rim protectors. AD, Dwight Howard, and JaVale McGee. If you look at the Cavaliers right now, they have a top five defense with one of the worst offenses, but they're still, they, they're not even averaging more than 90 points a game. That's how bad the Cavs offense has been. But because they're defending, JB Biggerstaff got them defending with, with so much passion and inspiration, picking up Isaac Okoro. They have Andre Drummond. They have JaVale McGee. And now they have Jared Allen. They have solid rim protection. And that when you stop when you have rim protection, you limit inside shots. And when you limit inside shots, it's harder to catch a rhythm from three. And the Kings don't have that. We just have Rashawn Holmes as our best defender, and we ask him to do way too much. Metsu has been showing me some promise, but I don't I don't see him as a, a starting center. He can be a power forward for sure. He can be a starting power forward one day. I like what Metsu has been bringing. My issue is we need a rim protector. And when Whiteside is like, yeah, we have Whiteside. He's been injured right now. But what the thing with Whiteside is it clicks on and it clicks off. I don't know if I'm going to get the Whiteside that made $100 million, you know, the Whiteside on his contract year. 
or the white side that made 100 million i don't it's too many on and offs but when he's on his on having that rim protection changes the whole team so yeah so it's either we make this trade we make a trade this year and that we can keep competing because i don't feel like there's any reason to tank when there's 10 teams that can make the playoffs and this is an organization who hasn't made the playoffs in 14 years that's the way i would like to go i want to make a trade and still try to compete compete or you can try to tank for k cunningham evan mobley jonathan kuminga josh green um this is going to be a very good draft class. I, If we end up tanking, the guy that I would love to have, number one, is Jonathan Kuminga. Uh, Jonathan Kuminga, that dude is like 6'8". He can defend. He can score on all three levels. Gives me a lot of Jalen Brown vibes. Um, I like him, and I like Evan Mobley. Kate Cunningham is obviously the best player to draft. I wouldn't mind getting him either. The more talent, the better. Um, but Evan Mobley is something different, too. He's averaging like three blocks a game, getting double-doubles, tall. He can handle the ball. He can shoot it. He can score inside. Um, so I just got to know. And we do play the Knicks tomorrow. And the sad thing is that now that the game is postponed, see, because I'm very close to giving up right now on this four-game losing streak. Now, if we lose to the Knicks, I'm like, okay. My, the main series I was looking forward to is versus the Grizzlies. And we had played the Grizzlies, you know, two times. And there's a lot of, I see a lot of people talk about Ja, and I feel like De'Aaron Fox is better. They're he's they're in the same level, and De'Aaron Fox is a little bit better. I wanted to see that matchup, but because of COVID, those two games were postponed. And if we lost those two games, I've been ready to tank like that. So they're giving me more time and more hope to cope with my feelings that this team is giving me, okay? Causing a lot of stress, a lot of uncertainty. But I do trust our GM. Uh, he, His first draft was a success. We were winners of the draft. So I just want to, I'm just ready for that next move he's ready to make. And he didn't pay Bogdanovich as well. He picked up Whiteside. He picked up Glenn Robinson. I've been liking every move he's made. This is He's trying to fix Vlade's mess, miss. <laughs> Vlade's mess, right? Buddy Heal, Corey Joseph, those were Vlade signings, okay? Luke Walton, that was a Vlade, that was a Vlade hire. So, I'm excited to see how he shapes the team. Is just as a Kings fan, you're so eager, you know, you're so eager. There's a lot of potential though. With Tyrese, that's why I'm so irritated because I want to see Tyrese start, but the backcourt solidified. Tyrese and De'Aaron Fox will be the backcourt of the future. I like what Harrison Barnes brings us right now. He might be up in his trade value. Who knows? Because he deserves to be on a championship contender team. His, his versatility, his experience, and his personality can take a championship team a long way. Just saying. But, yeah. Um, this Knicks game is going to prove a lot because the Knicks have been playing inspiring basketball because of their coaching. So I got to see how Luke fares with that. Uh, my only issue is Luke, but I don't know him personally. I, I, I question how he motivates the team, but I think the roster is worse than the coaching. Um, so, and he's been put in tough positions, especially like the one in LA. We all know how toxic Lakers can be, but that's the situation with the Kings, man. We got the Knicks tomorrow. And 
I'm hoping we don't lose. I, I'm really hoping we don't lose that game. I just want to see improvement. I don't want to see losing tanking vibes. I don't want to see that. I don't, I don't believe in tanking in the NBA. It's a lottery. You can tank and still get the fourth pick. All right? So I don't think anything good from, comes from tanking. I've seen the Charlotte Bobcats win eight or seven games, and they still didn't win the prize of Anthony Davis. They are stuck with Michael Kidd Gilchrist. So I'm not with tanking. Now let's go around the NBA. Let's talk about the contenders. Now if you think about the West, now my team just played them last night. The West is interesting because right now two teams have separated themselves from the others. That's the Lakers and Clippers. Lakers are defending champs. I'll take the Clippers over them. And the Clippers, they look really, really good. They have a lot of space that they didn't have last year. Ibaka, upgrade over Harrell. Luke Kennard, upgrade over Shamit. Nicholas Batum, upgrade over Jermichael Green. So they got better, but... The, it's the same thing with the Lakers. The Lakers need that rim protector again, and the Clippers still need to get a point guard. And I heard there's rumors that the Clippers might get Lonzo Ball. Now, if they do that, oof, that's like a Ron Harper 2.0 for them, and he could be the playmaker that they need. But what I wanted to talk about with the West, you got those two contenders, but there's three teams that's interesting. And I think the Clippers and the Lakers can beat any team in the West in five games, but these three teams, the Jazz, the Warriors, and the Blazers. Now, with those three teams, they all just need one more little piece. The Jazz can use a backup point guard. They, they need a backup point guard. They can use an extra backup point guard um, to help facilitate. Um, I like Donovan Mitchell as just a score, but the team, the Jazz can really defend, and that that shows in their record. Rudy Gobert, I wouldn't pay him $230 million, but that's what a team like the Jazz, a small market, has to do. I'll take a lot of centers over Rudy Gobert, but two defensive players of the year does not lie, and you can build your defense around him. Uh, so the Jazz, And the Jazz has always shown to win games in the West and win a lot of games, and I think they can take a team. I think they can take the Lakers or Clippers more than five games. Next team, Warriors. Steph Curry. Draymond Green, now Kelly Oubre is starting to get adjusted. Now Andrew Wiggins started to get adjustment, and Wiseman has good veteranship. He's just like Marvin Bagley, but with a little bit more defense, but he has a fouling problem. But he can get you 20-10 easily, and being around Draymond is going to help him become a better player. Steph Curry, an MVP candidate, the second greatest point guard of all time. They're going to, it's going to, you can't, it's going to be hard to sweep that team or beat that team in five games. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to to contain a Steph Curry, you know, hot night. It's going to be hard. And then you got the Blazers. Blazers just need one little piece. They can use another backup. They can use another point guard. And they can use another point guard. That's what they need. Alfred e. Simmons, he's not really ready ready yet. If you can get yourself another point guard, backup point guard, I'm thinking like a Derrick Rose. Or even pick up a guy. I don't know how they would make this work. But a guy like Kevin Love can really help that team in the pick and roll and pick and fade. The pick and fade with... C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard with Kevin Love, that can be a good combination. Um, but I don't. I think those are three teams that can go more than five games with the Clippers and Lakers. Not saying that they would beat the Clippers and Lakers, but those are other teams. But everybody else, it doesn't seem like they're on the same level. Nuggets got some issues. Rockets is completely different now. You think about the last year's playoff team, 
the the Pelicans is still young. Um, the Thunder, hey, they can compete, um, but not really. I mean, the Grizzlies, and that that's a team that I'll get into in a second. Um, the Grizzlies and Cavs, but nobody really. They're still not going to be able to compete with the Lakers and Clippers. Now, if you go to the East, I already said that there's five contenders: Bucks, Nets, 76ers, Heat, Celtics. Now it's interesting who you think is going to be the favorites. Obviously, I would say the Nets is the favorite because they have the best player in the East, and that's Kevin Durant. But it's all about matchups when it comes to the these five contenders. You know, uh, the Bucks can be a a bad matchup for the Celtics, but then the Heat is a bad matchup for the Bucks. Then you got Philly. That's a probably a bad matchup. For the, for the Nets. So it can really work in different ways. It's going to be really, really interesting in the East. But those five teams in the East, nobody's really nobody's really on their level. I believe the Raptors definitely fell off because they have no security inside the paint. Though Chris, Bou Chris Boucher is nice, he's like a Rashawn Holmes. He's just going to be too small and he can't be the main guy. Having that as the main guy, that's the key. And he can't... Put all that shoulders to be him to be the main guy, so because he doesn't have the link for it. So those five contenders, other teams, I don't think they're going more five games with those five teams. It's gonna be a hell of a playoff series with those, and it's gonna. But depending on what the Nets do, it's gonna shape how the NBA is in the future. Depending if the Heat or the Celtics or whoever makes this move for Bradley Beal, the next big three is gonna be coming though. And I think as NBA fans, I'm not really, I want to see the Nets. Like, if the Nets go against the Lakers, I want to see the Nets win. But things tell me I don't want to see them necessarily see the Nets win the championship. I like the era that we're in. Um, the Nets still have some issues. They need an extra rim protector. They, they're missing out on Jared Allen. They might pick up a JaVale McGee or a Hassan Whiteside, though. I figure that's what they're trying to do. Because they can't just have DeAndre Jordan do it by himself. But, yeah, five contending teams in the East this year, two contending teams in the West. Now let's talk about the two, for each conference, the two, like, come-up teams. For the East, I, I want to talk about the Cavs. It might be recency bias off what you've seen last night, but I've been intrigued on what they had because they had started off with Andre Drummond and JaVale McGee. Now they have Jared Allen. They have a good young backcourt, Colin Sexton, who I said was basically Lou Williams 2.0 with starter minutes. And he got off last night. And they got the defense. They got the defense in Isaac Okoro. They still have Kevin Love. They still have Larry Nance. Steady Osmond is getting better. They just need a backup guard. And they're on in the right direction. They can just get themselves a nice vet backup point guard. And they're going in the right direction. They have some shooters. And they have a good coach who's leader in Coach of the Year so far, in my opinion, J.B. Bickerstaff. And I, everybody talks about the Hawks. I like the Cavs more than the Hawks. I'll tell you that. That's my take. I think the Cavs make the playoffs this year over the Hawks. I don't care who the Hawks sign. Um, they don't play that good of defense. And the Cavs play inspiring and tough, tough defense. A lot of defense. And that's going to win you a lot of games. It's going to win you a lot of games. Just being able to defend like that on an every on a nightly basis. And the next team is the Grizzlies. And I hate to I hate to say it. I really hate to say it because this is a team that I thought 
that was on the same tier of the Kings. But the Kings have shown that they are below it. Maybe it's no coaching, but it's also lack of roster and will. So um, that coach over there in Memphis is coaching this Memphis team up. They haven't had Jaron Jackson all year. John Morant missed like the last two, three weeks, but they still managed to win four games in a row. He came back, and then they win two more games in a row. They're on a six-game win streak that nobody's talking about, and they're finding a way to do it. They have competitive players, and they're playing with a lot of spirit and a lot of inspiration. And I truly value that playing with a lot of inspiration. And the Memphis are definitely on a, on a come up. And it's it's weird, it's funny to say this, but they have been a top 15 organization the past decade. That's Zach Randolph, Marcus All era, Mike Conley era. They were winning a lot of basketball games and um, going to the playoffs almost every year. So the way that they just, you know, went through a re little rebuild and was able to get Ja and Jaron Jackson that's that's good and they're making it work and they're showing improvement there's there's they barely missed the playoffs last year and they're proving people wrong so that's what i was hoping the kings would do with De'Aaron fox and marvin bagley marvin bagley has not held his side of the door and that's and we're giving up 120 points per game they're not giving up 120 points per game so the Cavs and the grizzlies two very small markets kind of um I think they're surprising. I think they're going to be the ones surprising people, probably squeezing into the playoffs, maybe even. I hope not with the Grizzlies, but the Cavs, I like what the Cavs got going on. For me, with the Grizzlies, I'm still, there's a little rivalry because I don't like the attention that Ja gets over De'Aaron Fox because De'Aaron Fox has been the better player and he has had more of a load. So we're going to see what happens. Hopefully that matchup gets post, even though it's postponed. Hopefully it's soon because I'm really looking forward to seeing Ja versus De'Aaron Fox, and see if my words are wrong. That's it for the NBA. That's it for the NBA talk. Not ready for that draft, man. I'm not. But I do want to talk about, and I haven't really talked about too much on my on this podcast. Is I want to get into the NFL, and there's a reason why I didn't talk too much NFL. That is because. I'm a 49er fan. Let's do a little quick story on I like to you know how I like to do little stories on how I became a fan. Now, I have been a Niner fan since 2017 actually. <laughs> That's not that long, I know. And because I'm a Niner fan, I think there's obvious reasons why I didn't want to talk about this season, but let's talk about how I became a fan. And I used to be a Raider fan. Used to be a Raider fan. You know, I really liked the Raiders growing up. You know, they were trash. But, and you know, they, they, they're trash. And no, let me get it. Yeah, they are trash. They're trash. But there's something about it. You just stayed so loyal to no matter how bad management would do you and just be so garbage and the organization failing you. But came a day in 2017 where I was done. When they announced that they were relocating the team to Vegas, that hurt. That honestly hurt me. And just knowing the culture and the pride that the city has for the Raiders. And to and the thing is, I was born in 2000. I didn't even see the Raiders move the first time. But this is the second time that you leave a city. I wasn't with it. I can't imagine. Cool, it's all the stuff. It, you know, it's cool that all the stuff that they got in Vegas and everything. But I couldn't imagine 
seeing the Raiders win the Super Bowl in Vegas and not be able to have a parade in Oakland. L.A., okay. If, you know, if they went to L.A., but they went to another state, um, it's not even California no more. It's not my vision of being a Raider fan is being an Oakland Raider fan. Yeah, you, okay, shitty Coliseum, you know. I feel like there could have been more effort. I don't care what the city. There could have been more effort going into the city or at least near the area. Like the Niners moved to Santa Clara. They couldn't stay in San Francisco. They moved to Santa Clara. What if you just moved to fucking Alameda or Pleasanton or something? Something in the dimension at least. But I'm not here for being a Las Vegas Raider fan. So I stopped 2017. And I shipped sail. And I shipped my sail to the 49ers. And the 49ers were trash. Um, the, the first year I liked the 49ers is actually the Jimmy Garoppolo trade year. Uh, you know, he came in. And did his thing, but then the next year, injuries decimated us. We went only won three or four games. <laughs> I was just watching everybody get injured, and that's what basically happened this this year. But then the next year, they just go to the Super Bowl, and that was just an amazing year as a football fan. It was cool, and then this year the injuries again. I will tell you this: the Niners are still the best team in the NFC. Yeah, you see the Packers right now. You see the Buccaneers. Um, but the Packers is, you know, kind of been in the Niners dust. The Niners blew them out twice last year when fully healthy. Because when you have four guys rushing the passer, there is nothing you can do about it. Nick Bosa is a generational talent. And the way that this team has been drafting has just been unbelievable. Um, they have they have four generational talents on the team. Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, George Kittle, and... Well, right now, he, we didn't draft him, but Trent Williams is a generational le left tackle. And they had Joe Staley. So, we got good receivers. Got good, we, got a, we got a solid O-line. We got good tackles. Um, we have the best defense in the league, in my opinion. We're still top 10 with all the injuries that we got. So, the Packers is doing their thing right now, but it's still the Niners division. Now, moving away from the Niners because that's not what it's about this weekend, is I'm excited. I'm excited for NFL Championship weekend. Let's start with Brady and Breeze. Oh, my God. This is going to be so good this Sunday, seeing Tom Brady and the Buccaneers first year in the NFC versus a very hot, comfortable, everything's clicking version of Aaron Rodgers. This is like Kevin Durant versus LeBron James, but in their primes, kind of. Where it's OG LeBron and it's 35-year-old. Like, say if LeBron was still going till 41 and KD is 36 years old. That's what it would be like. And they're going at it in the Western Conference Finals or something. That's what this is like. Aaron Rodgers is like the KD of the NFL. Tom Brady's LeBron, you can say right now. And it's just crazy to see how, like, how Drew Brees, Mother Nature, just got the best of him and... You see a guy who's three years older than him, Tom Brady, just still going with a new team. And I think what Tom Brady has proved everybody is that, you know, yeah, coaches matter. But it's all about the player, you know. That scheme and system ain't as good no more without the player. And it was already, you know, it was already known that he was a GOAT, but this is just some next-level shit right now. And we're witnessing greatness. And it should be a great QB battle between the both. Um, they're two good defenses. I'm just so excited to watch it. And the greatest thing about it 
is that the Niners are better than both of them once we get our QB. Deshaun Watson rumors coming soon. I won't go I won't get too excited about that right now. I'm gonna just let and just enjoy this season and then we'll see if Deshaun Watson really wants to come and get a ring with Kyle Shanahan. But Brady versus Rodgers, that's something so exciting. But I'm gonna have to give the slight edge. I got the Buccaneers this game, you know. I got the Buccaneers, and I got them by four. 28-24 Buccaneers. And the one thing I know about the Packers' defense is they don't like to get physical. I watched Raheem Maserati get 250 on them. Now, the Bucks I think, was playing check. They're, they've, been, they've been playing... Uh, chess not checkers they got two very physical backs that can run in between the tackles in Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones and then you have all the weapons at receiver that is now starting to click ever since that bye week they haven't lost a single game and he only thrown one interception Tom Brady's only thrown one interception since that bye week and they had one of those seasons where they didn't have their bye until like week 12 and now they have Leonard Fournette is 240 pounds, by the way. They have guys that can run in between the tackles, and they can run it 40 times a game. But then they also have the GOAT at quarterback. And Tom Brady, who makes all the right reads, and he has the weapons now in a red zone threat like Mike Evans, a slot threat in Chris Godwin, and a Hall of Fame receiver in Antonio Brown, and a Hall of Fame tight end in Rob Gronkowski. So... Unless Packers don't stop that run, the the Bucks and Tom Brady's game management is gonna is, is gonna do the rest. So I got Bucks as a slight edge. Even though the Packers have been really good. But hey, I might be wrong. And if we go into the next matchup, which is really interesting, we got the Chiefs and Bills. Now it all depends if Mahomes gets past this concussion protocol. Um but me being a Niner fan, you know, the Bills has been really good this year. I don't like the way that they don't commit to running the ball. They just pass so freely. They just pass, pass, pass so freely. And they were up. They can be up by, like, you know, seven points. and They, they can be up, like, six points. And all they need to do is waste time. They still throw in the ball deep. I don't necessarily like that because the Chiefs can kind of do the same thing. But they play smarter. And... I don't know. The Chiefs are 15-1 and this season. I haven't seen Pat Mahomes lose a playoff game except for against Tom Brady. They find a way to win so many games. Whether it's ugly or not, they always find a way. And if Pat Mahomes is playing, I don't see any reason to go against the Chiefs. I don't. I just don't. Not saying it's going to be a blowout or nothing like that, but the Chiefs just always find a way to get it done. Pat Mahomes just always find a way to get it done. Um... This is their third straight AFC championship. So I'm going to have to give the slight edge to to the Chiefs. I got Chiefs by 6. 31 to... Actually, no. I got them by 7. 31 to 24. Yeah. I got them 31 to 24. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not playing, but they still got Le'Veon. And they still got Damian Williams. They just make it work. It's too many weapons. Kelsey, Hill. It's just... Too much with Pat Mahomes. 
Honey Badger for the defense. And Chris Jones and Frank Clark is actually really some of the most underrated clutch D linemen in postseason. They make the big plays when it's needed. Trust me. Um, I've seen it with my own eyes. So I think it's going to be a Chiefs-Bucks Super Bowl. And it's cool because whatever Super Bowl outcome is going to be, it's going to be interesting. Whether it's Bills versus Packers. Um, the well, if, Okay, I'm, if I'm going to rank the best Super Bowls that we want, the best one actually would be Packers versus Chiefs. That's the most exciting one. Second most exciting one is Bills versus Bucks. To see the Bucks go through that pain for 20 years and then have to play and beat Tom Brady in the big game while he, the one year he goes to the NFC, I think that's crazy. Um, Mahomes versus Brady is always a good one. And then Josh Allen versus Rodgers. So it can all be a good Super Bowl. I'm looking forward to it. Due to it being a COVID season, how bad the Niners season was, I think the Super Bowl will be exciting. Um, it should be an interesting one. And it'll be even more interesting if the Bucks make it to the Super Bowl because they host it. How crazy would that be? And Tom Brady's first year to give a team with no Super Bowl and rarely any play. Well, they have they actually have one Super Bowl, my mistake. But team that haven't been to playoffs in so long, he just comes in his first year at age 43 and takes him to the Super Bowl and win it on their home turf. Oh, my God. Or if Aaron Rodgers gets a ring, uh, his second ring, he can be more higher on the best QBs list because the talent, we he's arguably the best talented QB of all time. He just got to get some more hardware to people's eyes. And then you got Josh Allen getting, or you can get Josh Allen getting the Bills, their first ever Super Bowl. And that would be crazy. That would be crazy. The fans are just crazy over there. Josh Allen getting their first Super Bowl. Or, who will probably become a villain, or you just see Pat Mahomes do it again with another Super Bowl MVP and another Super Bowl ring two in two straight years in his third season starting before the age of, now he's 25, I think. It's going to be crazy. It's definitely going to be crazy. So, I'm excited for it. Um, I had work these past two days. I do work tomorrow and saturday so i might be recording another episode on sunday when i get the chance actually probably after the games after the games i think i might record an episode since the kings don't have games coming up i probably got to overreact to that next game whether we win or we lose so yeah man i might be back over here on sunday but i'm gonna leave it at here you know i love coming on here make some episodes come in my chill little spot it's very therapeutic and yeah this is episode 17 now, so I'm going to keep it at here. We'll be at episode 20 soon. All right. Peace.